What is happening? Welcome to the Plus Pitch Podcast, your morning pitching podcast from PitcherList.com. My name is Nick Pollock. Today, we're going to talk about the San Diego Padres, and boy, this took a lot longer than I expected. Why? Because they only really have three definitive starters, which meant that I had to go really in-depth on all of their fringe options. I had to look into their prospects more. I, I, I had to do a lot of good digging, I think, on, uh, on Darvish, uh, Musgrove, and King. And there's just so much to discuss. Uh, before we get to, I want, I want to remind everybody. I know I haven't put out the the tweet or the article yet, but PitchCon is coming January 24th to 28th. It's going to be five days this year. It's a week away. Pitcherlist.com/slash/pitchcon is going to go through Wednesday through Sunday, 11 a.m. Eastern time to 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's going to be the best, and uh, we're all raising money for uh, well to combat ALS. So it's we're trying to raise ten thousand dollars. Hundred percent of it goes to uh, ALS. Um, we are not taking anything. In fact, actually, we're losing because we got to pay the uh, the payment fees. Uh, but uh, yeah, ten thousand dollars we hope is going to ALS. We need your help, of course, to get there. You can also sign up for prizes, um, and we will have that article up either on Friday or on Monday, um, outlining the schedule, all the speakers, and the prizes you can win based on all the donations made by our panelists, including, of course, us here at PitcherList. And it's completely free to sign up for prizes. You do not have to donate to the cause to be eligible to win a prize. So tune in. It's going to be on the website, uh, pitcherlist.com slash pitchcon, all through those five days. Uh, you don't want to miss it. It's live streamed. And yes, uh, we will have certain segments uh, afterwards on YouTube. It's going to take some time to be there, but you really want to be there live, be part of the chat. Uh, it, it's really just the best thing. And to me, it's a showcase of what we eventually want PitcherList to be, which is a 24-7 live streaming platform um, that we can do events like PitchCon more than once a year um, and have this home on the internet where you are getting the baseball content that you want, the discussions, the showcases, the uh, the interactions with the community that we can do on the internet these days. And I'm really looking forward to talking more about the potential of PLTV in the future. But right now, we're going to talk about the Padres and you, Darvish. Oh, man. I, I got upset uh, going over Darvish yesterday. Why? Because I just feel that there are so many tweaks to make. And that really shouldn't upset me. If I felt there were no tweaks to make, then that would actually be really more upsetting because that would mean his last season of a 4-plus ERA and a bad whip and just not really being the guy you want is just destined to repeat itself. However, I don't think that's going to be the case. Uh, when it comes to Darvish, I, I essentially have made a blueprint, which is, I mean, yes, it is my general blueprint for every pitcher, but you adjust based on what your skill sets are, right? If you have an overpowering fastball, it's just like, okay, fine, throw that 50% of the time upstairs and call it a day. Do you have cut on it? Then you throw it this way. Do you have a sinker? Do you have a change? Whatever it is. What's really cool about Darvish is that his arsenal is what every pitcher kind of dreams of having. He has that four-seamer with an amazing VAA because if you don't watch Darvish, you'll notice that uh, when you do, that he dips down really far on delivery. He doesn't stay tall. He goes on his back foot and drives out. And because of that, he has a very low release point, which means that's great VAA on that four-seamer. And guess what? He has above average IVB on it. And he keeps it at 95+. plus. Like, this is a four-seamer that's destined to be upstairs. And you know what surprises me the most? He throws it down. I'm not even kidding. Our heat maps are amazing where they're not just like generic, like here you go, here's all where all of them are. That's what you see on the player page on our, the heat maps on our PLV apps are, where does he throw this pitch 
more or less than the average four-seamer of that type of pitch. And you'll see a giant red blob at down and away from right-handers, and it really cold inside and maybe a little touch of it upstairs to right-handers. And it drives me bonkers because Darvish's four-seamer swing strike rate is under 10% to both lefties and righties, and this should soar. This should be like a 15% swing strike rate pitch. He should not be trying to do that down and away fastball. And I totally understand there are going to be certain batters that, yeah, you want to get ahead with the strike and you don't really want to uh, throw a pitch out of the zone. The first pitch, like they, you know that they are passive in the first one. If you throw that down away sinker or four seamer, you're going to get that call strike. Absolutely. And you're going to still see that from Darvish, I'm sure. What I hope is going to be eradicated is that outside fastball in general at being the, uh, the old reliable, right? Because that just isn't it for Darvish. Darvish has good enough horizontal movement on that sinker that he should be throwing that inside to right-handers, not down away. And that four-seamer, my gosh, it should destroy batters upstairs. So I really hope that that becomes the foundation of what he does against right-handers. And guess what? He has all the other things too. He has a cutter he can throw for strikes. He has a sweeper and a gyro slider. And if you see on that, uh, again, that PLV app, you'll see that he has those two sliders. He has one that is grouped as a as a horizontal pitch and one that's grouped as a gyro. I'm really excited to have those separated as sweeper and um, slider moving forward um, on our player pages with PLX coming out. So you can actually see those two pitches and how they work. But honestly, the sweeper should be reserved for the right-handers and the gyro should be reserved for left-handers. And then he also has a curve he can throw for strikes. Oh yeah, and he also has a splitter that sometimes shows up. And when that happens, that's also a nullifier. Like he has all the things... And I really hope that Darvish can just sit down and go, you know what, instead of being a jack of all trades, I'm going to be a, a master of these two approaches specifically, one against right-handers, one against left-handers. And what's really cool is that he doesn't need to have every single one on a given day. You know, like we talked about with James and Tyone, he had his cutter that day against right-handers and didn't have to throw his sinker inside, right? He had that going. So great, you lean on that one. So when you have four seamers that, that kill upstairs, you have sweepers that kill away, sinkers that are great inside, cutters that go over the plate too for strikes, and then you also have a curveball that can go under the zone or inside of it. Like all of those don't have to be there. As long as one is cruising on a day, then great lean more on that one, right? But hopefully that becomes the baseline for each of these pitches. And against left-handers, I mean, you change that sweeper into being a gyro because gyros are better. That is vertical ones. I know it's, I wish we had a better term than gyro, but really just think more vertical than horizontal. A horizontal slider is a sweeper. A vertical one is a slider. So it's about depth. And that is better offhanded. That is sweepers going into batters just are easier to hit than those that die straight down. So great. Darvish, throw that slider down and in. That's the gyro one, not the sweeper. If you want to throw the sweeper, throw it back door. That's cool too. You can do that. Um, for called strikes, that's cool. Throw the curveball for called strikes or underneath the zone. The splitter, if you have that, throw that down and away. And then there's a tendency for Darvish to try and pull off the, the sinker that is front hip. And unfortunately, if there's one thing I don't think that Darvish is excellent at, it is consistent command. It is, I think, the biggest negative about him. Now, I don't think that... It's so volatile um, that he's like a cherry bomb because of that. I think actually he does have the ability to master this stuff more and to not just kind of be a thrower, like actually be in the, the quadrants you want and everything. But I do not think that he has like peak ace-dumb command. So I don't trust him throwing that, that front door sinker. And I actually think that he's going to move away from that to throw cutters inside instead, which I think he's really good at. Four seamers are upstairs. And those are the two main 
uh, hard offerings. I think just tuck away the sinker against left-handers. I just don't think it's a good pitch. It constantly gets destroyed. So I think there is actually a legitimate path here for Darvish to improve. It's a really good defense. I think also early in the season for all of the Padres pitchers, they have the benefits of it being better in the spring. That is, until it really warms up, Petco suppresses home runs, which is really cool. Um, so that means like April, San Diego Padres generally should do better um, as far as pitchers go. And then they have an elite defense. They still have Tatis. They still have Machado there on the left side of the infield. They have Kim there too. I mean, this is a very good defense. And then those two aspects are great. And even though they lost Soto, like they are still going to win games and they're going to let them go. I think all of these pitchers are going to be able to throw 90 plus pitches on a given start if they have the, the rotation spot. So that's a positive in my book across the board. Darvish obviously battled some injury stuff at the end of the year last year and that, you know, the bone spur stuff. Hopefully he's able to go 150 innings this year, but I'm seeing him going outside the top 200 at the moment and I'm going to buy in. I mean, sure, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm not going to drop him the entire year as my SP4, but he's right on that crux of SP4, SP5 in your 12-teamer. And I would be very happy having Darvish on my team. I really do think he's going to be better. Um, I spent a lot of time on Darvish, and I'm probably going to spend a lot of time on Musgrove and, and King. This is going to be a long podcast. And we're going to talk about all of them. Uh, there are some very interesting findings here that I really want to talk about. And we're going to talk about all of it after this break. Joe Musgrove is an interesting one. Uh, first and foremost, injuries are the reason why he's, I think, outside the top 30 starting pitchers off the board at the moment. And I get that. It was it was last year of the toe injury, then he had shoulder soreness, then he had elbow bursitis. And honestly, I think it's all because of the toe injury. I, I really do believe that Musgrove is uh, someone who just wasn't able to get into a proper rhythm. And because of that, he asked his body to do more. And then his he just wasn't really warmed up and all. And I'm kind of ready to just throw that away. On the skill side, it's really interesting uh, how Musgrove excels with his four-seamer because it is a terrible pitch-by-pitch shape. Um, and, it, you know, in 2021, 2022, its ICR rates were 50% plus, but then it was 29% against right-handers last year. And sure, it was a smaller sample, and I don't think it's going to get away with that again, but he actually started elevating it more and getting more grounders because of that. And it's a weird mix, but I do believe that it got crushed more because it was lower and just a terrible pitch. And the surprise of it staying upstairs as opposed to everything else that is landing low changes the eye level enough that uh, then that has more drop than expected that it then created more grounders when thrown upstairs than usual, which I think is kind of interesting. And uh, I love the fact that his sinker, even though PLV hates it because it had like three hit by pitches, which essentially is a PLV zero. So it brings everything down. But uh, so I had like a sub five uh, PLV. It was like actually like a four or five or something. But actually like a 19% ICR, 66% strike rate with a 41% O swing is everything you want out of a sinker to a right hander, right? Same handedness. Musgrove utilizes a sinker exactly right. 10% usage. It's a surprise pitch. Gets those outs. I love it. I absolutely love it. And then you have the slider curve and cutter. And I think Musgrove gets a little too comfortable with the cutter saying like, cool, I need to just get this over the play and that's fine. And that's a bit of a detriment. He found his slider halfway through the year um, and he just didn't throw enough strikes with his curveball. I mean, that that's really it. Like Musgrove's skill set is still really good slider, a uh, really good curveball that he'll get more strikes with this year. 
a good surprise sinker that might be thrown more, I think, next year than uh, than the 10%. Um, and then you have the cutter that I think found the zone a little bit too often against left-handers. And if he just gets a little bit more inside, just a touch, um, then you're good. Oh, yeah. Also, he has a great changeup. He made some mistakes against left-handers, sure, but really good movement on it. Um, yeah, like Musgrove's a really solid pitcher. And I also got to give him credit for locating his four-seamer against left-handers. Like, he does not make mistakes with that. It is either too far inside, like, right around the inside edge or above the zone. Like, he does not let guys pummel him on his four-seamer um, inside the zone uh, against lefties, which is great. So, the skills are all there. I I really have faith that, like, if you have Joe Musgrove on your team, you are never getting rid of him. Uh, the question is, like, how good is he going to be? He had about a 25% strike rate last year. That seems about right. Like... I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he threw 180 innings. I know a lot of people can say, come on, the injuries last year, not going to happen. He's going to go like six innings a start. So if you're saying he's not going to go 30 starts, he's going to go 25. Fine, that's 150 innings. I'm still in on that. You know, I I think Joe Musgrove is just someone that you're going to really enjoy having on your team. And the fact that when he starts, he is effective and good for you is a really nice thing. Uh, I would much rather take that with the quote-unquote injury risk than I think other guys because I don't it's not like he's destined to have like Tommy John with given what we've seen I'm not saying that he's now never going to have it you know what I might I'm saying I uh, I think we can just kind of push away a lot of the worries from last year um, Michael King is someone I am far more intrigued in than I thought I would be uh, I thought he would be one of these uh, when I did my digging like okay cool easy schedule or got away with too much and doesn't really have enough in the tank etc Quickly put, Michael King is a much better version of Brady Singer. Um, again, the situation is brilliant for Michael King um, because he's going to get tons of grounders and that sinker is so freaking good. Like, I would say, you know, an, an interesting comp it could turn into is Logan Webb just because of the high called strike rate on his sinker. Last year it was a 36% called strike rate to right-handers. 36, one-third of all sinkers that Michael King threw to a right-hander was a called strike. Absolutely bonkers. Uh, Amazing. And sure, that should come down. That will for Michael King. At the same time, he's going to have a good one. It's not going to come down like 20%. Like this is going to be 25 to 30% called strikes to to right-hander still. It's it's well-spotted. Michael King puts him either away or inside. He goes both in surprises. And what's cool is that the four-seamer is not this big shape to it. But because the sinker is uh, is so aggressive, it's a surprising difference. And that's what's important here about Michael King is that he really utilizes his entire arsenal based on that sinker. And the command of that sinker sets up everything else. So he can actually do good things with that four-seamer and uses in two-strike counts. The sweeper is a filthy pitch. It is filthy. Um, and he was able to do decently well against left-handers with it. I, I worry a bit about Michael King to left-handers, though. The uh, the biggest area of improvement is the changeup, which can look really good, but it doesn't have the consistency that we want to see quite yet. And if Michael King can just only focus on just how do I make this changeup really good, then all of a sudden he has something great against the... Uh, against left-handers that will make his time there better because right now I like the singer against righties it's just not as good against lefties and the four seamer I don't think is that great cutter is not really a thing that's in his book 
Um, so I, I'm a little worried about left-handers for Michael King. That's the biggest concern. But if he's able to take another step forward with that changeup, I mean, I, I dig this a lot. Um, and I, oh, I'm, I'm a fan. I mean, maybe he can turn that that sweeper into that uh, back foot one. Like we did see sometimes it being more, uh, get more vertical drop than uh, expected. Like like some of those against the Blue Jays were just unbelievable. Um, and if he's able to do that back foot slider against uh, left-handers, that's incredible. But what we likely will see is um, called strikes backdoor with the s- sweeper, then changeups down and away, and then sinkers away. And I hate that. I I hate the sinkers away to lefties. I just think it's. I don't know. I mean, if he can get enough whiffs on it, great. But I, uh, I don't know if I can really trust him being a front hip seeker guy to lefties. If he can, that's cool. We saw a home run against Kaufman, uh, against uh, MJ Melendez, I think it was, uh, in Kaufman. That was a trying to be a front hip sinker, came back over more of the plate, and then hit out left center field. And like, that's the worry that I have for Michael King. Um, it's really also, by the way, I should say, having that changeup against righties is a big deal because when he needs another slow pitch off the sinker uh he doesn't want to throw a fastball to a righty the sweeper isn't really the answer because over the plate comes in like 79 80 and if it floats inside the zone it can get crushed to the home runs in that game like he allowed three home runs to the royals in that last start of the year one was that front door to a lefty and the other two were hung sweepers i mean they were really truly hung pitches and he needs to have that change up as the the pitch to play off of the fastball at times as well as this as a sweeper something else in that kind of 85 to 90 range as opposed to like the 80 mile per hour sweeper uh that isn't that pitch that is hung <laughs> you understand right okay i'm gonna move on so those are the three starters for the padres and the question is who is going to be sp4 and five and who are going to be the ones that replace during the year at first, I wanted it to be Adrian, Adrian Marejon, who has just gone through injuries for a while, and he showcased some really intriguing stuff with his four-seamer in 2022, um, 97 miles per hour, and then a IVB of 17 on the four-seamer, good VA, all that kind of stuff, but then he kind of lost it a bit, and uh, the gyro slider needs to be a little bit better as well. And then, of course, we want to see development of the changeup, and I think there is something there if you give him enough time to develop, but I don't have any expectation that Marejon's going to steal this out of the gate. I think the Padres are going to be kind of slow with it and say, cool, you're back. We want you to stretch out in the in AAA and really showcase that you have this uh, this full arsenal, that you really can do this for an extended period of time. And then we might be giving you, giving you that opportunity in the majors. Or they might just need some bullpen help and say, you know what, we're not going to do that. We just want to work you as like a fireman kind of thing. I don't really think they're going to throw him into the fire as a, as a starter out of the gate. That just doesn't feel right to me. So then you look at Pedro Avila, who has experience from last year, and this makes more sense to me. Uh, Avila's changeup is a lovely offering. It had 30% plus uh, swing strike rates against right-handers the past two years. How many strikes it gets is another question, but he is going to be hyper-reliant on that pitch, especially against left-handers. So it's really about developing other things on top of it. Uh, And his four-seamer and sinkers is not really anything you want to go for. The... Uh, the breakers are not really exciting stuff, um, and I'm really curious to see how Pedro Avila can uh, develop the rest of his arsenal, because the changeup is legitimately good. Uh, what is fascinating is that you have that that series um, in Korea with the, uh, with the Padres and Dodgers, I believe, the, for two games. Yahoo formats are ignoring it. ESPN hasn't said how they're doing it. I'm just not going to treat those two games as games of the year. 
And they just are not starts that are happening in my view. So when we come back, it, there's actually something to be said about getting Darvish and Musgrove for possibly an extra start. We'll see. Um, maybe even the Dodgers, but then again, six man likely for the Dodgers and the Padres is only going to be 160 games, really. You understand my point. Uh, Avila is going to be the SP4, I think. And whoever is that SP4 is going to get the Giants on the opening Sunday because it's going to be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I'll be saying it a lot in March. You're going to want to consider who are the SP4s or SP3s or 4s who are going that opening weekend who you can stream because there are going to be other guys that you're going to be curious about who are maybe an SP5 on a team who will not start until Monday or Tuesday, sometimes even as late as Wednesday, or maybe even get skipped that first week. And you might as well get some value while they're on the waiver wire, right? It gets some production. And Avila, especially in an NL-only league, is a really sneaky play because you are going to get a start. It's going to be that good defense. It's going to be a good situation, San Diego. Um, it's going to be a bad offense. I mean, if they play in San Francisco, that's still good too. And uh, I, I don't remember which one it is, but it's the Giants. I'm not afraid of the Giants offense. So, and you're going against their fourth starter. So it's not like you're against Logan Webb. That's kind of interesting. Uh, something to throw out there for a guy that can go five innings if that changeup is working and like hopefully making it, it uh, work out, right? Um, the fifth starter I actually expect on top of Avila, it's going to be between Randy Vasquez and Johnny Brito. And I'm a little more intrigued on Brito than Vasquez. But to start with Vasquez, it's four seamers and sinkers that aren't really that good. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like maybe there's more to be done with the the cutter and the, the slider. Uh, it's possible the curve can take a next step. I really like its shape of it. I really like uh, that it could be this big uh, breaker, but we just really haven't seen anything in that secondary um, arsenal to allow Randy Vasquez to soar. So it's okay. Like I can see him going five innings or so as a, as the most Toby of Tobies, um, especially with that, again, that team situation. But I, I don't love it. And he might get that, you know, five spot. I think between Brito and Vasquez, there's arguments for both. Um, the Yankees liked Vasquez more. And uh, I guess if I am a betting man, it's Vasquez. But I kind of feel like Brito. I don't know. Between the two, I'm really close. And uh, Brito is interesting because Brito has a 96 mile per hour sinker that is really good. It gets inside. It has really good arm side run. The four seamer, he does save for two strikes, but it has terrible shape to it. And I really honestly don't think that it's a it's a quality pitch in any way. And it should just be four, uh, sorry, sinkers inside to right-handers. But that does mean, what do you do against lefties? Well, he does have a good changeup. And uh, that changeup really is the whole thing. It's like a sinker uh, change approach with Brito. Uh, that means to me that he needs to develop a better breaking ball. It's a curveball right now that's more 12-6 as he is a very over-the-top guy. And because it's 12-6, uh, it's not really, and it's not really like the most depth on it, which means he doesn't really have anything going the other direction to counteract the change in sinker. So I do wonder if, because he's over the top a bit, you can turn that like a slider cutter kind of thing going. If you could do that, then you have your way to get strikes against lefties that isn't the sinker. And as far as putting away right-handers, I mean, I think the curve is good enough to do that with the changeup. So he's, he's kind of a guy that, Maybe isn't a 25% strikeout guy, but could be like a 20% Toby. Um, and something to at least consider that he can efficiently go five plus innings. Uh, and something to think about there. 
So Randy Vasquez and Brito are probably going to be battling for the fifth spot with Avila gaining the fourth. Um, Glenn Otto exists. It's just a really good slider and nothing else. And I just don't see this happening. So I'm really sorry, but Glenn Otto not, not going to happen. Matt Waldrum is actually kind of interesting. Uh, he's a command guy who has like a deep arsenal around the zone. Like it all kind of works. You know, um, sinker is good inside of righties, uh, sweeper that is solid, a cutter that is good to lefties, um, and does find the zone well against righties. I uh, four seamer not really, and the knuckleball is why we know him. He throws about twenty five percent of the time. It's a sub sixty percent strike rate, and no, it's a low ICR. But like, I don't believe in it. I don't trust knuckleballers. They obviously are volatile, so. I don't know. If if the, the sweeper and cutter really take a step forward for Waldron, I can see this happening. But the four-seamer is just really bad. So that's a problem. And it's kind of a huge thing with the Padres as a whole. Like, say for Darvish, their four-seamers are just not good pitches. I mean, really. Uh, and I guess that's okay, considering of how good an infield defense that they have and really relying on inside sinkers, and that's fine with me. Um, but yeah, they just don't have an overpowering four-seamer. Uh, so their prospects are interesting too. And you do have a really good four seamer with Hiro. Uh, I think I'm saying this right. It's J A I R O. So I'm going to say Hiro Ariarte. Um, I I'm sure I just butchered that, uh, mid to upper nineties, uh, four seamer. He does have like questionable command. It was about 10 to 11% walk rates the last two years. And, uh, he has a change up that he focuses on. There is a slider that is really good or really bad. He looks like Pedro when he when he pitches, man. It just looks like it so much. And I'm in if he does get the call this year to be inside that rotation. So be on the lookout for Iriarte. Uh, it does really depend, of course, if his uh, control, really. I don't really care about command. I just want to say control. Just don't walk batters. But he obviously has a shag rug, which is, of course, the young man's floor. That is uh, not very good and very volatile. Uh, when he does come up, so be careful of that. There's also Drew Thorpe, who could be aggressively promoted. Uh, he pitched in Double A last year for the Yankees. He was part of that deal, and it's really interesting. King, Thorpe, Vasquez, and Brito can make up three of the five starters in the Padres last year. They they lose Snell, Waka, and Lugo, which is pretty entertaining. Oh yeah, and Nick Martinez, I should say. So they lost four pitches and get four pitches back in one Soto deal. But uh, with Thorpe, um, Eric Loggahan Hagen has a really good breakdown of a lot of these guys. And he talks about Thorpe saying it's just such an elite changeup that looks like Marco Estrada's uh, and Jeremy Hellickson's, which is very interesting because I usually am out on prospect guys that focus on changeups. It's just not the um, approach that speaks to rookie dominance constantly. So I'm a little hesitant in that regard going after Thorpe. It's a fastball that was more like 88-91. Now it's like 91-93, and that could get better. That's an interesting idea. Um, I need to understand more about the rest of his arsenal to um, to back up that changeup. But uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, because it could be like a sinker-focused approach with good enough breaking balls to to get him to that changeup a ton. And if it really is a fantastic changeup, then that's a great thing, too. But I am hesitant to really lean into Thorpe because you need to have electricity and generally change-ups are not a prospect electricity. It's just so rare for us to see a stellar fantasy arm prospect who is change-up first, especially as a rookie. Now, usually things develop over time that complement it, but uh, 
yeah, I don't know that yet. So I'm not super high on Drew Thorpe at the moment. Uh, there's one other guy. It's Adam Mazur, um, M-A-Z-U-R. Uh, he's a skinny guy who has good control. It's like a 5% walk rate last year. Um, Logan Hagen suggests that uh, the control is not equated to command, which I've seen before from over the top guys and kind of like Tristan McKenzie, where it's over the top and you're good at just keeping in the zone because it's a wider, um, it's taller of a strike zone than wide uh, east-west. But that's interesting. And I'm curious if he can develop that, if he, you know, develops more strength in the lower half, can hopefully get the velocity to back up because he was super high. Then he lost in 2022 and he got more of it back in 2023. And we'll see where he goes from there. Um, but uh, it is over the top, which means that he gets a lot of depth on the curve and the slider. And that could be interesting, especially if he keeps that walk rate down. And I don't know how good the four-seamer is going to be because if he's super over the top, it generally means bad VAA. Uh, it could mean really good IVB. I don't have those numbers because it was just double A last year. It's not triple A. So uh, we are developing something to make that um, better for analyzing AAA guys this year. And we'll have more to talk about that later uh, for PL Pro people. But um, Adam Mazur is someone I'm really curious about how he performs this year in AAA and just to keep an eye on that one. All right, that is it for the Padres. We're going to see a lot of movement, I think, in this rotation this year. And I think they have interesting guys. Thorpe, Iriarte, and Mazur, I think one of them at least, is going to be fantasy relevant and and come up in roundups and all that kind of stuff through the year. Um, as far as the fringe guys, I don't know who it is going to be, but we could be seeing some sneaky Toby stuff come out of the Padres here. And Michael, I mean, I'm kind of in on all of them because I think they're all routinely getting discounted at the moment. Maybe not Michael King, but I'm kind of in at his price too. I feel like Michael King is someone you're going to hold on to through the entire year. Um, but that is it. So my name is Nick Pollock. And may your babbips below and your strikeouts high.